companies and teams can only succeed when everybody is in alignment. And if you have teams hating on other teams, if you've got the sales group pissing on marketing because they're not getting quality leads and you have marketing saying that sales isn't working hard enough and you have young people saying their older bosses don't get them and vice versa, you're not going to have a team that's playing together towards the same goal. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Lindenau, and I'm here to share some exciting news. We are headed back to Boston for our fourth annual B2B Marketing and Sales Exchange event. My team is working so hard on curating the event's agenda, so while I can't share too much yet, I can share that we have some of the industry's biggest stars signed on to speak. So I'm lucky enough to have one of them on the line with me today, Nancy A. Schenker. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on your podcast, Kelly. Absolutely. So, of course, although you need no introduction, I'm going to share one anyway. Nancy is the founder and CEO of the OnSwitch and New New Ventures and a self-proclaimed rule breaker. Over the course of her 40 years of business and marketing careers, she's been a C-level executive, an entrepreneur, and a mentor for hundreds of small businesses. But I'm just scratching the surface here. Nancy, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your companies? Absolutely, Kelly. So I graduated 44 years ago, more or less, and started my career in publishing, always loved to write. And then through a very circuitous route, I ended up in marketing roles at major brands like Citibank, MasterCard, and the producers of Comic-Con read exhibitions where I was the CMO. But Over the last five years, I have been doing a lot of work in content strategy and content writing for a variety of companies. I've had my own business for about 18 years. I was ahead of the curve. I became a founder before being a founder was considered cool. 18 years ago, I left corporate life and started the OnSwitch, which is a marketing consulting company, and then launched New New Ventures, which is primarily a content company. So I've been through a lot over those four decades. I always get a little bit (laughs) tired when I hear how long I've been working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a long resume and you're just adding to it with the panel you're hosting at our B2B sales and marketing exchange. So could you just tease for our audience some of the topics you plan on covering and share why attendees should attend it? Sure. I'm super excited about this panel. It's called Peace, Love, and Revenue. And basically, it's a cross-generational, cross-functional panel of people who work in the B2B marketing and sales space. And the primary theme is collaboration and integration. It's gotten a lot harder since teams are now working remotely. But I really do believe, and I've seen this through personal business experience, is that Companies and teams can only succeed when everybody is in alignment. And if you have teams hating on other teams, if you've got the sales group pissing on marketing because they're not getting quality leads and you have marketing saying that sales isn't working hard enough and you have young people saying their older bosses don't get them and vice versa, you're not going to have a team that's playing together towards the same goal. 
So this panel is really some very practical, pragmatic, frank discussion about how functional areas can work better together and how different generations can work better together. Awesome. There's two things you brought up I'd like to focus on, which is alignment and generations. But first, I'd like to focus on alignment because it's one of the buzziest words in the industry, and it has been for some time, yet so many organizations are still struggling to achieve that alignment. So why is it so important for businesses to really focus their resources and their time on jumping over that hurdle to facilitate the cross-functional collaboration that's just essential to business? Let me use a football analogy that you could have a great quarterback or a great place kicker and a really cool cheerleading squad, but you're not going to get that Super Bowl ring unless everybody is working together to achieve a common goal. And as my mother used to say, the fish stinks from the head. So if you have leaders in an organization who aren't facilitating, encouraging, rewarding team collaboration and intergenerational collaboration and interfunctional collaboration, then you're never going to get that Super Bowl ring. And I've worked with tech companies where gossip prevailed, where groups were allowed to say horrible things about other functional areas, and it was kind of tolerated. And that's not, at the end of the day, a formula for success. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up generations and generational differences because we have such a blended workforce right now and it's just, it's so prominent. So with those differences in mind, how do you see priorities and preferences varying across generations? Well, I think we need to sort of get over some of the stereotypes that we have that all younger people are rock stars when it comes to digital marketing or all older people either are going to charge too much money to do things, or they are too slow, or they don't understand tech, all of which are stereotypes that I've heard in the past. But as long as your customers are across generations, which they actually are, 70% of disposable income now lies in the 50 and older segment of the market, Very often, SaaS companies are selling enterprise solutions to people who are in their 50s or 60s. So if you have a workforce that doesn't reflect your customer base, you're really missing out on opportunities. So just as we've been fostering diversity and inclusion across gender, across sexual preferences, across ethnicity, we need to really start fostering collaboration across the generations. And although we grew up using very, very different tools, the basic principles of marketing and business development really have not changed all that much over the last 40 years. Okay, perfect. Now I would like to talk about communication styles specifically because Unfortunately, as a millennial woman, I fall into the stereotype of assuming that someone's mad at me if there's not at least one exclamation point in an email. But the reality is older generations just communicate typically in a much more buttoned up and formal way. And of course, that's just one of many examples I could provide. But do you have any advice on how leaders can bridge that communication gap? Well, I think that one of the things we also have to do is get over our assumption that a particular age group likes to communicate a certain way. I think it very much depends on the context because I happen to be a more informal 
communicator. But as far as the exclamation point, I can relate to that even though I'm 66 years old. Sometimes I'll get a text and I'll think, oh, I wonder if they're mad at me or did I do a good job or why is that so short? So I think there is no substitute for live in-person communication and Zoom and Teams doesn't really count. I do think that because my generation had no other options, we grew up learning how to make phone calls and email was the primary mode of communication. But when I onboard new team members or new clients, I always ask, what is your preferred method of communication? Because some things I actually prefer to get on Slack and some things I prefer to get as a text and some things I prefer to get as an email. So I think a lot of it really depends on the context in which you're communicating. And tone is very much a part of branding. So if you know that you're selling to somebody who is a more formal, traditional prospect, then you should be mimicking their tone rather than using your tone, which is, you know, just something that I learned very early on, long before email communication, that you sort of scope out your audience first, and then you communicate in a way that is going to be most relevant to them. Yeah, absolutely. So now I would kind of like to widen the lens here away from just communication styles. But beyond that, there's just so many differences between younger generations and older generations. Why do you think each generation has such a different perspective of their work environment? Honestly, that's nothing new. When I first graduated college, I was very, very different from my first boss in every single aspect. I think that technology has created more of a rift between older and younger generations. But I do think that we need, and this is where, you know, I start to sound very hippie-ish and kumbaya, I think that we need to focus more on commonalities and less on the differences. You may know how to shoot a reel or do a TikTok better than I have, just because that's not my first language. But there are things that I know about marketing from having been in the space for 40 years. So again, it's all about different generations looking at each other in terms of what it is that the individual knows, regardless of age. And I think we could all older and younger generations could learn to become a little bit more age blind. And when companies are looking for talent, not assuming that just because somebody is in their 50s or 60s, that they might not be a good fit with a tech company. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'd like to bring things back around to alignment. So with these clear differences between generations, how can leaders work to align these teams that clearly have different mentalities and priorities? I think, first of all, just acknowledging that the team is diverse and making sure that everybody does feel included and valued. Again, it starts at the top and building a culture that is very supportive of differences. I worked for a tech company and every day the CEO would walk past my desk. I was on a consulting project and he didn't even say good morning because I don't think he quite knew how to deal with a 66-year-old woman who, you know, is probably the same age as his grandmother. But that's no different from a male leader ignoring a female 
contributor on the team or not inviting somebody out to lunch with the rest of the team because they're Asian or African-American. So I do call ageism the final ism. And we just need, again, sounding very peace, love and revenue. But that is the point of my talk is just looking at the world through the lens of the people who are working for your company and saying, how can I make them feel welcome, relevant, and leveraging their strengths rather than focusing on the differences between us? Absolutely. And now with that in mind, would you argue that it's important for hiring leaders to keep generations in mind during the hiring process? And, you know, what are the benefits to the workforce from a melting pot generational workforce? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, the customer that companies are selling to is in their 40s, 50s, 60s. So having a team that mirrors the demographic of your customer base always makes sense, no matter what you're selling or what the product is or what the service is. I do think that it's a bias that many people are not even aware that they have and not making assumptions that just because somebody is young, they're going to be a digital rock star or just because somebody is older, they'll be slow. They might not understand the technology. When I started writing large scale content for SaaS companies, I very quickly had to learn how to use a variety of CMS platforms. I have some clients I communicate with via Slack, others via text. I probably have worked with every scheduling and project management system. And again, I'm 66, so I'm proof positive that you can learn new technologies at any age. Yeah, of course. And now, finally, we always like to ask industry leaders their perspective on the current B2B landscape. So before we sign off today, if you just share some of the trends that you're seeing and where you think the industry is headed in the future? Absolutely. I think we're definitely headed for a rocky road, especially on the tech side. There have been almost 21,000 layoffs since the beginning of the year. And I think we're going to see consolidation and belt tightening across the board. I think a lot of VC firms are going to be looking at the companies that they invested in very, very carefully to make sure that they don't repeat mistakes. And according to Scott Brinker's latest chart, there are close to 10,000 SaaS platforms applications. And I just don't think that that can possibly sustain itself. I think we're going to start seeing consolidation across the board. And I do hope that there will be a resurgence of humanity as much as AI and machine learning is completely changing the landscape of how we market and how we gather intelligence. I think it's still really critical that the people who are pushing the buttons are real humanists and understand that the things that they're building are still being consumed by people and not by bots. And so I'd like to see the pendulum sort of swing closer to the middle where it's the perfect blend of artificial intelligence and human intelligence. Yeah, awesome. I mean, there it is right there. So Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for having me on the podcast, Kelly. Have a great day. Of course, you too. So that is a wrap on our first speaker preview. We have so many other industry all-stars on the hook for future episodes, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast today. We are available on your podcast player of choice. And of course, we would love to connect with you on LinkedIn and Twitter. So that is it for today. I'll talk to you all next week.